unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, the Superman of sales copy, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today, man? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. And that pun will make sense here in a moment. Well, um, yeah, thanks for that. I think that branding will last about 30 seconds. Um, so question for you, the listener, do you ever, and the viewer, do you ever wonder why superstars in copywriting and other fields got there, how they got there? A friend of mine, Dr. Ben Mack, told me about a book that has some unique insights on this subject. I've met a lot of outrageously successful people in my own life, and I recognize the really outrageous ones in every page of this book, even though their names weren't in it. I can also say I know many highly successful copywriters that don't fit all the descriptions in this book, but I see enough similarities, so I'm convinced the book is the real deal. The book is called The Superman Syndrome, and it's by Dr. Gene N. Landrum. And it's not based on some random magical thinking, but it's based on documented facts and quotes from people who've really, really changed the world. Now, it's not written like a lot of other books. So if you're a very linear thinker or an unimaginative person, you might be very uncomfortable reading this book. But even though it's very imaginative, it's also very practical. It gives you some good ideas to use. And in case you're a woman, don't feel left out. You're included. Half of the superstars the author, the author writes about are women. He doesn't call them Superman. He calls them Wonder Women. So here's what I did. I picked five powerful ideas from the book. So you can use them to notch your copywriting and your business career up to the next level. And a lot of these ideas are counterintuitive. So get ready for a wild ride and expect some surprises. I think you'll end up being optimistic more than you expected. But here's something you certainly could be expecting, and that's that copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. Most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health and finance and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So Nathan, I thought you'd like this because it, it refers to some old school uh, comic book heroes. I love it. Um, gosh, I don't want to say my first passion, but definitely one of my three writing passions is comic books. And then uh, copywriting is in there as well. But yeah, the, the, wherever the two worlds intersect, I always get a kick out of it. Well, they, they intersect here today now. So let's get into some of Gene Landrum's ideas from the book about Superman and Wonder Women. The first idea is that superstars are so dumb that they're smart. A quote from the book, Wonder Women are often too stupid to know that they can't 
climb high precipices. And this is precisely why they can't. So he gives the example of the famous anthropologist Margaret Mead. She became great because she saw herself as great. This indomitable personality was a petite tigress who wore down macho males and delighted in living life on the edge, both personally and professionally. She had a strong comfort with ambiguity and a strong sense of her own destiny. It permitted her to overcome many obstacles. Now, I can think of many clients and business friends who live their lives that way. One guy that comes to mind in particular is Big Mike, Big Mike's dramatist. Mike, he's a friend, he's a client. He hired me three times last year. Um, we've been working for maybe 10 years. He has a $105 million company. He sells fertilizer and hydroponic fertilizers to the cannabis industry. And he was doing it before cannabis was as legal as it is today. Hmm. Um, I was up at his house at the top of the Hollywood Hills, and it's just outrageous. What he does is outrageous. He has he had a personal chef, and he had a pretty pretty buff security guy there, and he told me that stuff I'm not going to repeat, but it was like larger than life. I mean, he's physically larger than life. I mean, I met some people who weren't that tall who were larger than life too. So it's not just that. So yeah, this being Mike is very, very smart, but you know, he invited me down to do his podcast called business outlaws. And he was talking about selling these pre-rolled joints at, for like 25 bucks, which is about twice the market price, I think. And I said, boy, that's a little high. And he said, you know, I've been doing what people told me I can't do for the last 17 years. So that's like one characteristic. This isn't for everybody, but might be for you. Um, so I, I guess a, a takeaway for me here is don't think your grades in school have anything to do with how well you do as a copywriter or as a business owner. They might or they might not, but you really don't know. And you can make it so you, the way you want it to be, not the way someone else told you it's not going to be. All right. I think in my own personal experience, I've noticed a lot of times the most brilliant people overanalyze and never take action. Whereas the people that get stuff done, they're not really smarter usually, and, and they're not more qualified. They're just like, well, I'm going to give it a try and we'll see what happens. And they end up succeeding where the people who were more qualified that overanalyzed it just never took the step and never took that first step and, and never made the accomplishment. I've seen that too. Yeah. Um, one of the problems with people who have these brilliant minds is sometimes they can't make a decision or they can't even try something until they're a hundred percent certain it's going to work. Sometimes they're not the one who's going to decide whether it's going to work anyway. They can't let go. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. So here's idea number two. Um, overachievers use insecurity for empowerment. 
Now, this this one's interesting to me. I remember when I was a reporter on the Key West Citizen in 1977, a long, long time ago, like over 40 years ago. And I'm not going to say his name. I, I don't want to dishonor him. He's no longer with us. But a lot, you know, I lived in Key West. A lot of celebrities would come down. And there's this one guy. He was a sportscaster. And he been been an All-American. He was uh, in the football Hall of NFL Hall of Fame, you know. And so my thinking at the time is if someone has achieved that much, they'd feel very secure in themselves. And I remember I was baffled. I was poor. I was a reporter. I was young, inexperienced. My job, I had to wear a tie. No one on the island wore a tie except us and the attorneys. Like, you're all pain in the ass and sort of humiliating. And he was sitting there trying to one-up me, me personally. Like, well, Key West is great, but it's only got the ocean. You know, I live where there is an ocean and mountains. And I took a picture of him, and he had this huge Rolex, and he wanted the Rolex to be shown in the picture prominently to show how wealthy he was, that he could have a watch that cost $25,000. And it, it went on like that. And, you know, until I read this in the book, I could never quite figure all this out. But, but this, is, this is what uh, it says in the book. It says overachievers use insecurity for empowerment. Insecurity motivates like little else. It fortifies the eminent with ardor and makes them special. Conversely, it is the bane of the unsuccessful. Sounds weird, but it's true. Eminent psychotherapist Alfred Adler, who's an interesting guy. Other than Freud and Jung, he was like the third major psychologist of the time. And he has a very different theory that where all problems are based not on what happened to you when you were three years old, but on relationships with other people. Anyway, Alfred Adler said, the more intense the inferiority, the more violent the superiority. So uh, just a little more about this. I know a lot of self-help gurus personally. I worked for many of them as a copywriter at one point. I know famous motivational speaker. Some of them are great people. Some of them are real jerks. But every single one of them has lots of insecurities. Some people do a great job papering them over, but sooner or later you get to know them and it all comes pouring out. And I'll say this, it's no sin to have insecurities. It's human nature. The difference comes in what you do with them. And that also leads to either happiness or misery. And the same thing for others in your circle whether at work or in the rest of your life. So that's number two. Number three is iconoclasts are maniacs on a mission to the impossible. Do you have a problem with Kindle books? I do. Sometimes I really just want to hold a book in my hand so I can turn the pages and highlight stuff and make notes. That's one reason I recently released the print version of my book, Breakthrough Copywriting. And listen to this. On Facebook, I've gotten pictures posted from around the world. Pictures of people holding their printed copy of Breakthrough Copywriting in their hands. 
including one from an A-list screenwriter and marketer in L.A.'s famous Topanga Canyon. He was reading the book in his hot tub. Breakthrough Copywriting is a great book for you, whether you are a beginner or an A-lister yourself or anywhere in between. It costs a tiny, tiny fraction of my $5,000 a head seminar that the book is based on. So check out Breakthrough Copywriting on Amazon.com. Now, back to the show. Number three is iconoclasts are maniacs on a mission to the impossible. And the main idea is that great intensity and hyperactivity energizes superstars. And what um, Landrum says here in this book is peak performers in the 21st century will be quick or dead. Quick or dead. They don't use snooze buttons. Energy is the variable that makes them special. In a world that is in double time, one must be quick or pay the price of mediocrity. Uh, now, what this doesn't mean is running around like a chicken with your head cut off or going faster than you are currently capable of going in order to do a good job. So that's not what it means. What it means is learning and striving and working to do the same tasks, the same key, important pay time, high leverage, high, high income task. Learn to do it faster with, and faster and learn to do that over time as long as it takes, with the same level of consistent quality. And this may take days, weeks, months, or even years to get to that point. But here's the trap for someone, especially if you're just starting out. And this, I fell into this trap and it took me a long time to figure out my way out of it. Um, when someone has gotten to the point that I'm talking about, you see them and you set their speed as the standard for yourself and you judge yourself or someone else by something that you can't do that fast or someone else can't do that fast. That's a mistake. Everything that's fast today almost always started out slow. I mean, let's just take, let's get it out of the personal for a second and take it to internet speed. We've got broadband where we're talking about megabits per, I don't know, I don't know the technical numbers, but compare that to a dial-up modem have you seen the meme going around the internet? When I was young, uh, the internet used to come through the phone and it sounded like fighting robots. Hush, Grandpa, and take your medicine. Mm -hmm. um, so, but it, but it did. <laughs> that's, that's what a dial-up modem sounded like. So crawl before you walk and walk before you can run. Um, I mean... I think the perfect example here is we had him on our podcast, Dr. Doug Pugh. Doug um, started out, kept doing it over and over again, and then he had crunch time where he had to write like 50 emails in a week. He could do that after three years of writing emails every day. He couldn't do that the first day he started to try to write emails. So you, you got to get, you know, you got to get your chops before you speed up your chops. And the, the takeaway for me is learn the basics, practice them over and over, then learn to do them just as well, but faster. Any thoughts or shall we move on to the next one? Let's go ahead and keep it going since we're talking about being speedy. Speed, yes. All right. Number four, idea number four, supermen are weak enough to be strong. Another paradox. Lenin says, weakness can often be a strength since we try harder 
on those things we know we can't do. When we fall off that bike, we learn more from that experience than when we don't fall. Trauma has a way of awakening our inner spirit to fight harder. That's worth thinking about. A lot of this has to do with resting on your laurels once you've gotten there. The most successful people don't spend their time or didn't spend their time dreaming of a day when they would be so successful and so powerful that they wouldn't have to lift a finger and everything would come their way, maybe on a silver platter. A lot of people have versions of that fantasy, but they are not the winners of the world because life doesn't work that way. Gene Landrum talks about Sharon Stone, the actor, the actress, who went through a bad divorce at age 45. And the same year, she found out her father had inoperable cancer and she had a brain aneurysm. But this led her to an epiphany. She used these crises to reinvent herself. And since then, she's won two Golden Globe Awards, an Emmy, and a handful of other awards. And um, since her year of terrible crises, after that, she's been in 30 movies. So you don't have to go through these kind of tragedies. You don't have to hit rock bottom to benefit from this, this idea. I think of three of the biggest names in direct marketing, men that I've learned a tremendous amount from. I respect Gary, Halbert, Dan Kennedy, Jay Abraham. None of them are college graduates. Now, maybe in the construction business or, I don't know, uh, in you know a lot of other fields, that wouldn't matter. But you would think, you would think, and you'd be wrong, but you would think that, well, you need to go to college and blah, 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 in order to make your living as a writer. They're not. Actually, the world's best-selling writer we talked about, uh, the guy who wrote Perry Mason, Earl Stanley Gardner, not a college graduate, um, dropped out after one month. So the thing is, these guys overcame their own obstacles. Now, Gary's dead, but Dan and Jay are very much alive. And they could have both retired years ago, but they're both active. They're doing new stuff. Dan's holding seminars. Jay's heard recently is doing work with companies in China. You know, that's the thing. They're not resting on their laurels. So I think my key takeaway here is stop spending so much time thinking about how you can't, won't, or don't want to do what you need to do. Instead, spend the same time and energy to figure out what you need to do to get past obstacles. Wait, there's one more step, then do it. I think it's also a mindset thing. You can, you can look at your situation and say, why is life raking me through the coals? Or you can look at your situation and say, well, a strong sword is never forged in a bed of feathers. Yeah, I, I think it is very much a mindset thing. That's, that's true. All right, here's number five. The path to empowerment is paved with myth and paradox. I know it's a mouthful. One chapter in this book is called Wonder Women Ignore Conventional Wisdom. He says, it comes from experts who have such a psychological investment in what is that they can't see what might be. Douglas Hofstetter, amazing, amazing person. He's a professor at Indiana University. He's won a Pulitzer Prize, National Book Award, an author. says, only by stepping outside logic can one make the leap to enlightenment. Now, this is a guy who's an expert in cognitive science. 
Only by stepping outside logic can one make the leap to enlightenment. So here's the thing. Living in a mythical world is a double-edged sword. It's great how things happen, but it can strain relationships with people who don't have your vision or imagination. From the book, I got that Walt Disney's brother was sharply critical of Walt's first idea for an animated movie, Snow White. He said to Walt, you're trying to ruin us. And then when Walt showed his brother his ideas for Disneyland, the brother tried to get Walt committed to a mental institution. But who's crazy now? There is a hard reality, though, and that for every wild dreamer who hits the jackpot, there are many more who never make it. And I don't know what to say here beyond this. Figure out something you want to do that's not so far beyond what other people want that do it in such a way that you keep the odds pushing towards you. But, you know, it can happen. I know people who live lives that when I talk to them, it's like I'm watching you know, a wild adventure movie. Um, I've spent time personally with these people. They really do exist. A lot of it's just mindset and, and choosing to see and pursue life that way. Uh, they think big. They live lives packed with myth and paradox. A lot of this does come down to mindset, like you said. It does. And so let's go, let's summarize the five points. Number one, superstars are so dumb, they are smart. Number two, overachievers use insecurity for empowerment. Number three, iconoclasts are maniacs on a mission to the impossible. Number four, supermen are weak enough to be strong. And number five, the path to empowerment is paved with myth and paradox. And here's the book again. You can get it on Amazon, probably other places. The Superman Syndrome by Gene and Landrum, PhD. Now, I'm wondering, as we wrap up this episode, I'm wondering how does this knowledge or how can this knowledge be tied into a copywriting lesson? Well, I think it's uh, important in a couple of ways. One is if you want to set yourself apart um, and, you know, rise to the top in your unique way, it might be good to look at some of these ideas and wonder if, if you're resisting them or you're just not using them because you didn't know them, how you could use them. The second thing is there is a style of copy that's heroic and mythological and outsized, like, you know, major movies, and you might be able to create uh, characters or heroes in your copy, um, where of course the vehicle by which they won the day was your offer. And so it could make your, give your copy an additional dimension. Uh, yeah. I think that, uh, when we're writing the, the market that we're writing to, everybody wants to see themselves as a Superman or a wonder woman. And everybody is dealing with uh, these insecurities, everybody's dealing with um, maybe the the overanalyzing. So people, your market is dealing with these things as well. And if your product or, or your service or your offer can help them attain that Superman status, 
um, it's probably a good idea to understand what are the mindset issues that will help get them there, will help get them to where they believe that your product, your, your offer, your service can actually get them to that status. Because a lot of times overcoming those self-doubts, overcoming those, um, those objections that they have going on in the back of their head, if you're not addressing them, you're not going to move them forward. So understanding these five things can really help you address those internal objections that people have and help get them positioned in, the, in a way that they can actually utilize what you're offering to, to actually, um, they can visualize it and they can say, okay, with this, I can actually do it. Yeah, I, I think that's good. I think that would work really well. Awesome. David, what was the name of this book again? I want to check it out. Yeah, it's called The Superman Syndrome. Nice. I'm going to have to order that on Amazon. And until next time, where can people go if they want to check out more episodes of the podcast? Why well, just come right over to copywriterspodcast.com. Sweet. All right, man. I appreciate it. And I know the listeners appreciate it as well. And until next time, we will catch you later. See you later. Before we go, a quick question. Would you like to have me as a guest on your podcast? Let me give you an easy way to contact me about that. We've put up a form on garfinkelmedia.com, and it won't take much more than a minute to fill it out. So if you'd like to have me on your show, just go to garfinkelmedia.com and fill out the form. That's garfinkelmedia.com. Thanks, and see you next time on the Copywriters Podcast. This show was brought to you by the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.